Welcome to the Gathering Place Church weekly podcast. We hope today's message ignites, equips, and challenges you to live out your Christian faith and to bring healing to a broken world. Amen. Well, we've been in a series and really getting our head around the marvelous wonder of what's known as the incarnation. That this Christmas Eve, this Christmas season, every Christmas season, we ponder, we celebrate, we reflect, and we look to this baby, this God-man, who could not be contained, the God of wonders, who hung the skies, who created the mountains, decides in the incarnation out of deep, affectionate love, saving love, redeeming love for you and I to contain himself in the womb of a virgin. You serve a God today who loved you enough to put on skin, not just to tell you, but to show you with his life, to bleed, to die, to be bruised. The first to ever declare this gospel truth of old is found in Genesis 3.15. We've We know this and we've established this, that there would be a seed that would come, a seed that would be established that would come into the earth. And through his bruising, he would be able to crush the head of the enemy. He would be able to crush sin for you. He would be able to disarm and crush the demonic and Satan for your life that it is a declaration of victory. And I don't know about you, but this Christmas season, we all get jolly and holly and all of these feelings and vibes, but ultimately it is the gospel story of how Jesus comes into the world, declares that you have victory over sin, over death, and over demons. That's a good place to say amen. Put your hands together and clap this morning. Maybe you want to be like my daughter, Ella. She had to jump a little bit and started to feel it. But if you lift your hands, we're going to continue worshiping here in a little bit, but we're going to get into the word. Father, we thank you. With hands lifted, we are yielded, surrendered people. We look to you. Let this seed, this Jesus, the incarnation, God, that Jesus has come into the world. Jesus has been born to save his people from their sin. So Jesus, we thank you that we have life, that you're just not truth, you're life, and you also give us the way, the way, the truth, the life. So Father, lead us along the way of salvation. Lead us along the way of truth. Lead us along the way of life that isn't some mystical formula, but it's found in a person, and his name is Jesus. And we can know him, we can have a personal relationship with him, and we spend this life worshiping him with everything we've got. We're going to worship you forever. So Jesus, we thank you today. We love you and we celebrate this mystery of the incarnation. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, we got our GPC kids in here with us this morning. And so thankful they're here. They might be louder than you and won't be quiet in here today, but that's okay. So I always love the the family environment. You go to some... Uh, really in the early churches before children's ministry was created. See, this will make you very thankful for children's ministry after today. Sometimes we all just need to be reminded how much we love kids' ministry. But at the same time, it's very important that we just don't disconnect kids. We have great teaching here, Sarah and Tracy and 
the Clenches and Allison, so many do such a wonderful job. We love and appreciate you, but it's so wonderful when we can be together as a family. And uh, this Christmas Eve, I pray wherever, whatever Christmas means to you and whatever feelings you have towards Christmas, for some it's exciting, it's family, for others you see more loss, hurt, and pain. But the joy of is we all unite our faith to Christ, and that is the true reason, and that is the true season. We put aside a lot of these feelings, and we focus in. So if you turn in your scripture today, we're going to jump right into Roman, or to Hebrews chapter 12. And what I want to look at today is the incarnation in light of the cross. That John in, uh, I believe it's John 1, 15 or John 1, 14 when the cousin and close friend of Jesus, when he sees Jesus come onto the scene, he declares, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, in John declaring that, we've established that Jesus is a healer, yes. Jesus is a wonder worker, yes. Jesus has all of these wonderful attributes, but ultimately, it's at the day of his death that we see the purpose and the importance of what Jesus came to be born to do. Jesus was born to die. And in Genesis 3.15, we see that the seed is declared that it's coming and that it must be crushed. When When you think of the seed, when it's buried into the ground, the shell has to break in order for the beauty of life to come forth. And what I want you to get in your spirit today is that some of us, We're in the ground, but we're still hanging on to the shell. And you've got to allow the shell to break for the beauty of life to come forth. So Jesus would be born, but it was at his crushing, it was at his rather his bruising at the cross that the beauty of salvation could then come forth. And so when we see the Christmas story, you can't exit resurrection and you can't exit the cross because it all comes together. And you can't truly appreciate Christmas if you don't understand what the purpose of it is, what the gospel is, what the truth is, and what we have to live by. So as you see Romans 12, this would be a very familiar passage to many of us. But what I want you to see today, or Hebrews 12, is that my prayer is that you throw some things off. That whatever is weighing you down whatever sin is so easily entangling you, that you get free. Because we can celebrate Christmas, but if you never experience the freedom that Christmas brings, you celebrate in vain. If you're caught up in bondage, again, if you're, just clo- if you're holding on to that shell and never letting it break and letting the beauty of life come forth, the beauty of the gospel to come forth, then you are missing what it's all about. So this is the race of faith. How many of you know we're in a race? Many of us, we want to say we just want to sprint and get to the destination, but it is not a sprint. You have to train yourself for endurance. When's the last time you've been told or you've seen when you step foot in through the doors of the church that you are being trained for endurance, that you're being trained to last, to be faithful, to be loyal to Christ? So Hebrews tells us this. It says, therefore... We also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, go read Hebrews 11, and you'll see where these witnesses come from, the great men and women of faith. So we're surrounded, praise God, that we don't do this race alone. I think as we're all surrounded in here today, it's a picture that you're never to run 
the race alone. It's a relay. You got people with you. You got coaches around you that you don't have to figure it out all on your own. Thank God. So we have these witnesses, and it says, let us lay aside. Everybody say, lay aside. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. See, many times when we read this text, we put sin and weight together. But you need to see first that there's weight you got to put aside, and then there's sin that wants to ensnare or entangle you that you've got to put aside. In other words, what the scripture is teaching us here is it's not sinful use this analogy, it's not sinful to go swimming with a bowling ball, it's just dumb, right? So there's a lot of things we do that might not necessarily be in the camp of sin, but it's just stupid, and it's dumb, and the choices will not produce life and abundance and truth. So we've got to understand that in this life, there's some weight you got to get off you. So we got to put aside weight, And then we've got to get rid of sin so that we can run with endurance. If you want to last, if you want to remain faithful, if you want to hear well done, good and faithful servant, you cannot exit the cross from the gospel. And we're going to look at this in a minute. Um, When Peter, if you go to the point, remember when Jesus rebukes Peter and Peter begins rebuke, trying to rebuke Jesus. This would only be Peter, as only he could do. You think you're going to rebuke the Son of God. So Jesus starts rebuking Peter because, uh, or Peter starts rebuking Jesus because Jesus talking that I, I must be, uh, I must take the cross, I'll be persecuted. And Peter said, no, 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 that doesn't have to be the way. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus doesn't say you're having a bad day, you're a little hangry. He says, get behind me. Satan. Because Peter's Satan. He's, he's operating in a demonic spirit. Why is this? Because Satan will always do anything and everything to disconnect the cross from the gospel. And this is what you have to know. And this is why we have a cross when every time you come in, because you can never disconnect the cross from the gospel. You must live a cross centered life. And we're going to see this. It says, looking unto Jesus, how are you going to endure? How are you going to throw weight off? How are you going to fight sin? You have to stay fixed on Jesus. Who is he? He's the author. Say author. He's the finisher. Say finisher. Of our faith. Who for the joy, you want some Christmas joy this year? Well, Jesus' joy was you. And when he endured his cross, Guess who he saw in his mind? Guess who he was praying for? Guess who he was interceding for? The reason he endured the cross was because he knew it would save and redeem and heal you. You are his joy. You are his inheritance. You are his prized possession. You are his greatest gift. And what we've got to understand and see today is if we want to have real joy, not happiness, Happiness is contingent upon your circumstance. And as I look at the world today, I don't stay very happy based off all the circumstances I've got to walk through. But there's a joy and there's a peace that you can have regardless of the circumstance because you carry your cross as Jesus teaches us to do. So his joy is found in the cross. And when you think about it, it's such a paradox because how is there joy in a rugged, torturous Roman cross. 
it doesn't make sense. It's, it's a paradox, but this is how Jesus works and this is what he does. He said, for despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Matthew 16, 24, you know this, and this has really been our theme this year. If you got the t-shirt, it was on it. But it says this, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, what must they do? Talk to me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If you want to build a big church really quick, really fast, don't share this scripture. Because nobody wants to deny themselves. No one wants to deny their flesh. But Jesus says, and here's where we kind of, we spar with Jesus a little bit, is we think because we said a prayer when we were 12 and our sins were nailed with Jesus on the cross, which they were, that kind of carrying the cross is over with. But Jesus says, you've got to daily, somebody say daily, you've got to daily pick up your cross and follow him. And we try to live and we try to conjure up this gospel and this this idea that we don't have to pick up a cross every day and deny something of ourselves. You see, the cross is the very thing that gets you to the place, not to make you a better you, but makes you more like Jesus. Quick story for you. We have this water filtration system in our house, and we haven't touched it in two years. We bought the house, haven't used it, and we're like, you know what? We better make sure that we're drinking clean water, right? And so we got had somebody come out, cost a lot of money to get these replacements. If, you've, if you have them, you know it. But I just began looking at the whole process of purifying. And as you look at the process of purifying water, it doesn't add anything to it, but to purify the water, it takes away. And many of us think in order to be purified, we just need to keep adding to our life. We need to keep adding to our personality. We need to keep adding to these positions or to get this place or to get this knowledge. But when Christ purifies you, he takes away. And across, the paradox of it is it takes away first so that life can happen second. Many of us want to get to the power and get to the life and get to the anointing, but never go through the cross, which is the only crossroad that will ever get you to it. So Jesus says, you've got to deny yourself. You see, if a faithful pastor, I wrote this down, you should be thanking me on Christmas. Because a faithful pastor doesn't examine how comfortable can I make you on Christmas Day. That is not what I'm judged upon. How comfortable did we make the church? What I'm judged upon is how how rightfully did I rightfully divide the word of truth? Did I search the scriptures and did I give you what the word of God teaches? Not did I make you comfortable. But how many of our perception or our expectation is I want to go to church and be comfortable. I want to serve God and still be comfortable at the same time. You see, this is why you've got to have the cross at the seat and at the focus of your life because if you're picking your cross up daily, your expectation is not comfort. Your expectation is something's going to die in me today so that I can be more like Jesus. You ever tried to lose weight? You ever tried to really become lean, get, go on a diet? You have to take away. You have to change something drastically in order to get a very small result at first. This is why when you don't have the cross at the center of your life, then you put it at the center of your life, it will feel like culture shock. You shock your body. It's like you're plunging into water, cold, iced water, taking an ice bath. 
and your flesh screams out. This is why new Christians, I don't hold the thing of, can we just ease them into it? Nowhere does it says ease them into the cross, but you gotta tell them up front, you've gotta deny yourself, you've gotta take up your cross, and you've gotta follow him. We've lived in a world and in a church and in a, have this gospel and this faith that tries to put all these creature comforts around the cross so that we can keep you coming back to church, so that you don't just run away because it gets too hard too quick. But the cross is powerful if you can see it for what it truly is. And Jesus knows this, and this is what the purpose of the gospel, that it is a way of living. You see, we can begin to take the gospel as such. I wrote this down. If you think the gospel is this, you just need to try to do good. You need to try to be better. Why don't you just add God to your will instead of submit your will and pick up his? Just add him to yours. Um, God always wants to bless what's been in my heart of hearts. Uh, how can I make Jesus just part of the equation that makes me the most happy? And if we're not careful, we can think this way and we can build our lives around a gospel this way and it's not what Jesus came to give us and what he came to do and the message he came to bring starting at the seed in the virgin in a manger. You see, Jesus hid himself before he was ever revealed. And the thing I've come to find is hiddenness can be glorious. You see, the safest place for you to be is hidden. The most protected place for you to be is hidden. This is why at ZCA, there is a nature of our school and how we educate children that they are hidden from the things of the world. We are protecting their innocence. We are giving them the seeds of Christ and of the gospel at a young age so that it can grow beautifully. Because a seed doesn't become a giant tree overnight. And many of us, we, we neglect our children and we don't give them the seeds and the water necessary and then we expect when they turn 18 that they'll naturally be this strong oak tree that can last the, the storms. You've gotta put the seed down and you've gotta bury it in deep and you've gotta nurture it and you've gotta take care of it. And this is what we see in the life of Jesus. So I wanna be faithful to you in this you see, God promises, you see in Genesis, that as long as there is earth, there will be seed time and there will be harvest time. So you've got to see your life through this lens, that you can't reap a harvest unless you ever first plant a seed. This is why Jesus is even called the first fruits. He is even called the seed, as you see in Scripture. And so what we need to understand is that the sin of the garden, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is when we try to gain knowledge for our life, or gain a wisdom for our life that is outside of Christ, we are, we are integrating the same sin of Adam and Eve. It can also be understood this way. When you care more about understanding who you are versus who the Lord is, you're participating in the same sin of Adam and Eve. You see a lot of New Age teaching that is sweeping through the church it's saying, learn and lock in what your personality is. Know your weaknesses and know your strengths, and then you can defend your weaknesses, never repenting of when it's covered in sin. And so what we've gotta be aware of that we don't integrate the same sin, but we fix our eyes on Jesus, and by becoming more like him, 
That's what changes you. But in the changing, there has to be a throwing off of weight and there has to be a throwing off of the entangling of sin. All of us want to get like Jesus by just taking a pill. The pill will fix it. No, you've got to do something and it's going to cost you and it's going to hurt and it's going to be painful. Are you up for it? You see, the church has so effeminized the gospel that it's just this week, it's just what I say, it's not what I do. It's just I, I believe, but I'm never faithful to what I believe. Again, this is where we've got to understand Jesus came to crush the enemy on your behalf and are you participating in that? Or do you just have easy believism as I've been talking to you and I just praise him till I feel better, never actually allowing change and transformation to take place? You see, in the scripture, we see in Exodus 25 that he tells Moses to go and, and build a place that I may dwell with you. This was after he brought the blood and the same dwelling that Jesus wanted in Exodus 25 is the same dwelling that he wants in all of us. That we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That he longs to dwell with you. In other words, he longs to tabernacle with you. So what you do and how you build your life and the choices you make and the vices you fight is to create a place for him to come and dwell with you. How much attention and care do we put into our homes so that our children are happy and safe and healthy the house is clean, the, the lawn is cut, everything is maintained, you, you defer maintenance and you got a mess and an expense on your hand you wish you never had to pull your checkbook out or your, your card to swipe for. You see, deferred maintenance, you think you're getting by with something but it always adds up. And there's many of us today, we are deferring maintenance in our walk with God. We just keep deferring the cross and say, we'll pick that up when I feel like it when it makes sense, when my kids are a little older. I'm tired right now. I'm going to teach you here for a second. The reason you're tired is because Scripture says if you try to hold on to your life, you lose it. But if you're willing to die and lose your life, it's a paradox, you gain life. So if you are out of energy, you're mad at God, you're mad at everybody, you're bitter, it's because you are hanging on to something 